Hello innovators, entrepreneurs and risk takers. Welcome to another episode of the Web3 with Sam Kamani podcast. I'm your host Sam Kamani and today's guest is a pioneer in bringing the best practices from traditional finance or TradFi into the world of crypto. Jeremy Britton, he is the founder of Boston Trading Company where they function like a hedge fund that invests purely in crypto and web3 he has decades of experience of investing in the tradfi space and he brings that experience he bridges that into the web3 world and in the crypto world he has his own unique framework how he analyzes projects or web3 projects or token projects and tokenomics and so he is going to share with us his investment strategies the key thing here is that this is only for your knowledge this is not investment advice i want to equip you with more knowledge and more strategies so you can make more well informed decisions we do not endorse any coin or any token in this episode or on this podcast please always do your own research finally i do not run any ads on this podcast my only ask is that you share this episode on your social media now with all of that out of the way let's get into it so jeremy it's great to have you on the show it was fantastic to meet you last time as well and learn about everything that you are doing so for our audience can you please describe to them what is boston trading and what do you do at boston coin Boston Trading is a company that we set up to launch the world's first crypto mutual fund. Yep. And Boston Coin is basically what we call coin of coins because there's a lot of people out there, they don't know which coin is going to go better than which coin. And rather than investing in meme coins, is this yes. going to be the Ethereum killer or, or what? <laughs> we have a mutual fund that's got 30 or 40 coins inside of it. Yep. And it's, you know, going to the stock market and saying, you know, is Tesla going to beat Microsoft or is Microsoft going to beat Apple this year? Nobody really knows. Yeah. Uh, and that's why 95% of investors choose a mutual fund like the S&P 500 yes. where they can actually have all the shares and then, you know, average their performance and diversification obviously is for safe because we do have black swan events that occur. Like I, I was investing prior to 9-11 when the plane crash happened. Yes. And obviously the airline tanked. Yes, yeah, I remember that time. Holiday booking services and accommodation and that sort of stuff. Everyone cancelled their holidays. So those stocks all went down. But at the yes. same time, telcos went up and grocery stores and things went up. And that's what we've done with this one. My, my background is 30 years in the stock market. Yeah. Creating portfolios and diversified portfolios for clients. And when we discovered crypto, we oh, this is like a little stock market. And because I understand the stock market, because I've been doing it for half my life, I could actually make really good profits in there. And I could teach other people how to pick the right coins and how to make profits. In. But a lot of people don't have that time. Like I can teach you in, actually five minutes to teach you how to do it, but it might take you three or four hours a day to do research because there's 24,000 coins and, and growing a day. Yes. So a lot of people actually said after I taught them how to, oh, can you do it for me? And yeah. well, the only way we can legally and ethically do it for you is to set up a mutual fund. Yes. And there's obviously there's mutual funds like the S&P 500, of course, in America. It's the ASX 200 in Australia. There are different ones in different countries. Yes. But they're all very country specific. And no one had actually had a worldwide international mutual fund. 
So we had to have a lot of meetings with lawyers and accountants and specialists and this sort of stuff to create a mutual fund that could actually cater to the entire world because crypto is worldwide. It was a very difficult process, but we got there and we've been running now for almost eight years. Yep. Oh, that's fantastic. I have a question. So how did you get started? How did you like, what was it that led to creation of this mutual fund? Yeah. It's prim primarily, there's a friend of mine, I, as I say, like I'm very good with stocks and shares. Yes. I'm not bragging about that, but if you've been doing something for 15 or 20 years, you become quite good at it. So yeah. I, I would know how to pick the best stocks and shares, the ones that are going to go well. Then you also diversify in case anything happens, you have your balance in there and you're safe. Yes. And then when I started getting into crypto and recognize what each crypto does and how it forms a part of the ecosystem and what do we do if someone invents something that's better than Bitcoin, what do we do? Uh, when yeah, people used to invest in Nokia, people used to invest in Blockbuster Video and, <laughs> and the iPhone came out and all the Nokia stuff was trash and Netflix came out and all the Blockbuster stuff was trash. So that's what we were thinking in the very early days. How do we actually yeah. protect if something comes out? So as well as the, the cryptocurrency saying, okay, this could be a new Bitcoin, but we don't know the new Bitcoin may yet to be invented. So we sat down and said, okay, Bitcoin, they come out with Bitcoin 2.0 and the old Bitcoin is, is now worthless. And when you start selling off their Bitcoin to buy the new thing, it hasn't even come out, the exchanges will make money. That's everybody yes. will flock into the exchanges. So we bought stock in the exchanges. And regardless of whether crypto is going up, down or sideways, the exchanges always make money. And that was our protective thing. We also invested into the Bitcoin networks. Yes. Because again, back in 2015, 2016, crypto was very we didn't know whether it was going to last, whether it was going to be fantastic or whatever. And we sat exactly. down and said, okay, yeah. if crypto takes off, it's going to increase network. Yes. And even if crypto doesn't take off, there's going to be increased network traffic because people want self-driving cars. People want smart fridges and smart devices in their homes. So yes. we invested into the fiber optics, banking on the fact there's going to be more network traffic. It's like buying the roads. Everybody who travels on the roads has got to pay a toll, whether yes. they're driving a truck or a car or a motorbike. And so we said, all the cryptocurrencies are prevalent then. We'll invest in the fiber optics. And you yes. know, if crypto doesn't go anywhere, then we'll still make money because of, of smart devices and internet of things. And it actually worked out really well because and we, we didn't know there was going to be a worldwide disease where governments were going to lock people in their own homes. Yeah. Um, but when people got locked home, the professionals, the lawyers and, and these sort of people were working from home on the fiber optic network, having Zoom meetings like this. Uh, yes. And the people, the hospitality workers and things like that who couldn't work from home, they were sitting at home watching the Tiger King on Netflix, which also increased the fiber <laughs> optic network. Yeah. When, when the pandemic happened and the stock market dropped by 50, 60%, Bitcoin dropped by 50, 60%, we actually made money because we had the fiber optic networks and we had the other things go up yeah. and Bitcoin goes down. So for any, everyone out there, like diversification, I'm going to repeat that about a hundred times. Very important. Oh yeah, totally. I remember the whole 17 ICO boom and there were like hundreds of or thousands of new meme coins and shit coins and coins that were pretending to have utility, but no real utility and maybe a few good ones. But that's why you look at the top 10 or top 20. It looks very different now to what it looked like in 2018. I don't know if you remember some of those. Oh, Dogecoin was top 10 back in the United States. It is still, it is, Dogecoin is still there. It doesn't do anything, but it has a very big eight-year influencer promoter. <laughs> so because of him, everyone 
bought into it. <laughs> I remember listening to Clubhouse and then Elon Musk was in that Clubhouse room and then he's talking. There's lots of people listening and a lot of them are were influential people with a lot of money. And then he's talking about Dogecoin and that it wouldn't it be funny if it's a coin with no utility and then that becomes the bigger than Bitcoin or something like that. He's shilling Dogecoin. And then everyone went and bought Dogecoin. I could see instantly on live on the charts that Dogecoin going from five cents to to fifty cents or something crazy, mm, 40, mm. 48 cents, something crazy like that. Instantly, like ten xing his investment and other people's investment in Dogecoin, and then over over time, it dropped down quite a bit and stuff. But and same thing happened when he changed the logo of Twitter the Shiba Inu dog from Dogecoin <laughs> for a few days and then it yeah, yeah. again and stuff. So it's just those sort of things happen. But at the end of the day, it still has no unique utility for anyone to do anything. It's unlike Ethereum, which has thousands of developers creating smart contracts and creating projects on it. So that's just my point of view. And that's why you see Bitcoin has retained its value. It's a great store of value. Ethereum has retained. So Ethereum and Bitcoin were there in the top 10 and the last boom, they are still here now. That is just my view. But the other thing that has risen and that does provide real world utility, I feel is like stable coins. And they were 2 billion in market cap in the last boom in 2017-18. And even now it's supposed to be the crypto winter. They're worth over 100 billion or 120 billion in total market cap because they provide real utility for people to transfer value. So yeah, they actually do something. So yeah, anything that actually does something... <laughs> There is a use case for it, and that's just my view. But what are what is your view? Because you are you built the world's first sort of mutual fund that invests in crypto. What's your point of view on the Bitcoin ETFs that are likely to come out? I don't know if you've heard the news, like BlackRock and Ark, and a lot of them very closely. <laughs> yeah, so a lot of them are looking at launching sometime early next year, from January to March, Q1 of 2024. Yeah, what's your view? And yeah, tell me your thoughts about it. I'm old enough to remember buying gold, buying gold for three hundred dollars an ounce back in the year two thousand. And yeah, that was a, again a, a defence against what if something terrible happened, basically the stock market, yes. which did the following year. But back then, it was more difficult to buy gold. And if anyone's out there want to do their homework, just pull up a gold chart the last fifty years, and then yes. find the point in two thousand and four when the U.S. actually launched the first gold ETF. And the price just took off and it's never yeah. come back down because it was an easy way for most people to buy gold. They could simply buy it like they buy shares and things like that. Yeah. So even, even though Bitcoin and Ethereum, Bitcoin's been around 15 years now, Ethereum's yes. more than 10. Yeah, about 8, 9, yeah, 8, 9, yeah, yeah something like and that. It's still difficult to actually, for an ordinary person to actually get their wallets and download their seed phrase, go on exchange and things like that. Yes. Whereas most people have a, like a broken account that can buy ETFs and particularly big institutions like pension funds and things like that, superannuation Absolutely. Funds. You say that's where a yeah. lot of the money is locked in the world. So those guys could buy gold for the first time. Yes. And it could actually take off. And obviously with BlackRock, Fidelity, Wisdom Tree, Ark Invest, all these guys yes. are coming in with a Bitcoin ETF. It's not the normal people who have been buying Bitcoin for the last few years. It's going to be the institutions. It's yes. going to be the, the big pension funds and things who can now have exposure to Bitcoin without yeah. actually going through the whole process of self-custody and that sort of stuff. So price is going to balloon. When we started in 2016, January 2016, we started the World's First Crypto Fund. So it was like, no one else was doing it. 
It seems yes. sensible to us that you'd have a, a mutual fund because mutual funds have transformed the ease and the utility of the stock market for decades. Yeah. And after we've been running for two or three years, and we're looking at investors and things like that, but no one else was doing it. None of these big institutions are doing it. And after a couple of years, we think, why they have, have we made a mistake? Why has nobody else come to the party? They're just uh, slow. They're just slow to add. You're slow to adapt. That, that's pretty yeah. much it. Slow to adapt and risk averse. It's mm-hmm. what they say in the big businesses and stuff that no one ever got fired for hiring a Deloitte or KPMG or one of those. So if it's, it's pretty much the same philosophy that if you just keep doing what be, everyone's been doing for the last 80 years, you won't get fired. But if you try something new, you might get the kudos for it or you might get fired. So the risk, <laughs> risk is too high for uh, employee do something like that in, in a big firm. And if they've got a cushy job, they're making three, four, five hundred K a year. They don't want to rock the boat. For, yeah. I, I think that that's what it is. Mm. I, yeah. We, we just benched ourselves against, against Bitcoin because we had no yes. other competitors to measure ourselves. It was like three, four years we'd been running before we actually started to see a couple of other people who jumped in and started the crypto mutual fund. And we're like, oh, yeah, now we can actually, it's like running on the track by yourself versus running three or four feet. We yeah. know we're going to push ourselves a little bit more and try a little harder. It's going to be more fun. But unfortunately, by the time it was 2022, there was like seven competitors in the space. And like, but then, of course, 2022, we had crypto winter. We had FTX go down. Yes. And these Luna other, these and all these. Yeah. Yeah. And most, most of our competitors, four or five of our competitors, I've actually invested very heavily. There was one, three hours capital went bankrupt. Um, yes. Voyage, Genesis. I'm not bad-mouthing any of these guys, but one of them had invested 43% of their money into FTX. Well, of course, well, when FTX went to zero, they lost 43% of their portfolio, plus the other stuff had gone down. One, one competitor lost 80% in that year. Yeah. And we're just going, oh my God, this is terrible. <laughs> Yeah. And it was like bad news or bad news. Every yeah. single day, every single week, there'd be something new. I was like, yeah, you don't know what you'll find when you open your company. <laughs> but again, kids, you're 43% yes. of your money in FTX. was a very bad move. We had 2% of our money with FTX. And we knew it was a risky move to try and get some yield from this fuzzy little kid. But if we lost 2%, we knew we could when when Solana first came out, when Matic first came out, we got into those very early because we looked at them, we studied who was in charge, what they were utility, they actually had use taste. And we put one or two percent of our portfolio into it. And when it's only one or two percent, if you lose it with Matic zero, it wouldn't have affected us too much. But when Matic took off and we made over ten thousand percent, we got from two percent of our portfolio up to like fifteen or sixteen percent of our portfolio. Then we look at it and go, Wow. If it goes broke now, we're going to lose 15, 16% of our portfolio. So it's time for us to sell off, take some of those profits and diversify and rebalance again. Because you're always looking at at what can go wrong first and you build a safe, solid foundation. Then you can start taking a few little risks. As I said, we took risks with Matic and Solana at a couple of other points when they were brand new and they were only a couple of cents. And it paid off. We've made gains in the portfolio. We've made gains of more than 10,000% on six different coins. Wow. But that's amazing. Yeah, you, we took it. We took a little risk, and at the time, you say, if we knew that it was going to go up by thirteen thousand percent, we would have put the whole portfolio in. But no, you yes. can't do that because there's a chance it could go bust, and then you lose your whole portfolio. So for these guys, to put forty-three percent into the one project is crazy. And that's yeah. why we diversify. That's why we continually rebalance. 
always for safety because we want to be around for a long time, just a, you know, a quick time. And that's why some yeah. of these, like Dogecoin, some of the NFTs that have been played with meme stocks, game, game stock, things like that. Yes. These things just take off from it and then they yeah. crash really badly. We've never bought Dogecoin, we've never bought any of these. And when yes. people were, were paying $1,000 for an NFT and all of a sudden it's worth $1.2 million, they were poking their finger at us and saying, you guys are crazy, why don't you because NFTs don't do that. Yeah. At the end of the day, people are going to flock to value. That's what happened during the tech break. Yes. We're buying pets.com and jet.com businesses that didn't even have a business plan. Yeah. And Warren Buffett was out there buying Bridgestone tires and he was buying Gillette shavers and buying Coca-Cola. And yeah. after the tech break and the plane crash and the market crash, people were still shaving their faces. People were still driving their cars. Yeah. <laughs> people were still drinking busy, busy water. So good yeah. value stocks will be around for a long time and you can keep solid credit growth. And that's what we're looking for. We, we do take little risks, but it's very calculated. But we go through our four-step process. We yeah. analyze the project. We analyze the people behind the project. We analyze the people who are following the project. We don't fall for the influences because the yes. place influences they go on tomorrow as well. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's very popular and now Bitcoin's worth nothing. Yeah, he's yeah. Begging his followers for money. Um, I know. Find a good project and just stick with it. Yeah, yeah. How one of your advice is to diversify for anyone starting out investing or someone who's investing and looking at investing. What are some other? What is some other advice you would give them? Or how do you analyze a, a coin? Say it's a new coin. We came across it. What are the things that you look for in that? Great question. Great question. I'll, I'll give away the secret sauce right. Now. <laughs> on the podcast. If you want to invest like a billion dollar hedge fund, I'm going to tell you how to do it right now. So grab your pen. I actually wrote I'm ready. In 2006, I think I'd been in financial planning for about 15 years at the time. Yes. And I wanted to get out of financial planning. And I distilled 15 years of my knowledge in this book so that anybody who wanted to invest could actually learn how to invest like the experts. Yep. And in the book, there was a nine point criteria for choosing your own stocks and value stocks. And even though the book was written for the GFC, and we actually predicted yes. the GFC, we said it was coming up. We want people to go two years before it happened. The knowledge is still current. It's timeless knowledge for how to invest in the right area at the right time. And when we were looking at crypto, like cryptos are not, they're like stocks, but you don't get all the information. Because yeah. obviously, yeah, when you're listing a company on a stock exchange, you have to get a lot of information on earnings and that sort of stuff. So crypto projects do that. So we distilled it down to four points choosing your own crypto and we came up yep. with the acronym coin so c-o-i-n you write that sort of vertically down the page yep and the first thing we look at is the c-suite ceo the cfo the cto the cmo look at those people and say okay who's running this project sam bankman Fried was famous for playing Fortnite, but that's about it right? whoever's running the coin project you can look at the management team and say are these intelligent guys have they had successful startup do they have experience? You're wanting to put avocados on the blockchain or forward monkeys on the blockchain or something like that. Have they had experience in a similar field? Have they had successes? So the C is we study the C-suite. Make sure there's yep. decent guys there. Check them out also on LinkedIn because a lot of crypto projects are scams. And anonymous? Yeah, they'll have stock images of a pretty guy from, from yes. Shutterstock or something like that. Yeah. So anonymous founders run away, right? Yeah. Anonymous founders run away. Like, don't even look at but check them out on LinkedIn. People yes. fake profile on Facebook or on Twitter. It's very difficult to do that on LinkedIn. Most of the LinkedIn yes. profiles are legit. So yes. look on LinkedIn, find the founder, 
see if they actually say they are working for the company. Sometimes you just use someone's name and you scan yes. people and pretend it's good stuff. It's not. So research them on LinkedIn, find out their experience, find out if they're actually going to be a person you want looking after your money and running your Then O is the offering. This is the key point. What does it actually do? Yeah, NFTs, basically digital art, very low quality, <laughs> like 200 gigapixels or something. What does it actually do? Bitcoin, as you said before, is a store of value. It's a finite yes. resource and commodity, much like mm. gold. You can't create new gold. You can't create new Bitcoin. Bitcoin also can be used to basically email value around yes. the world, unlike gold. And this is as revolutionary as emailing packages to your nano, which you do now, but 20, 30 years ago, you have to send it by a post. So, yes. so Bitcoin really changed the paradigm as far as transfers and store of value. The offering, you've got to find out if it's actually doing something sensible, if it's doing something that people will want. Because it's all very good to put pictures of board apes all over the place. But at the end of the day, will people still want that in five years' time? We're not yeah. here to quick buck today, tomorrow. That's very risky. Miss it by 24 hours, you've lost a lot of money. So make sure it's a solid offering because Bitcoin will still be around in 100 years. Ethereum will still be around in 100 years. There might be better or worse iterations coming up. They will still yeah. be they actually serve the purpose. I is for the investors. So you want to find out who else is interested in the project. Now, obviously, we don't listen to anything Elon Musk says because let's face it, he's Cracker Jacks. He did really start Tesla. There was two other guys who started that. And he's just wasted $40 billion on running Twitter into the ground. The guy's a loose cannon. But there are some investors around there who haven't burned $40 billion in the last couple of years. One of our early investments was IOTA. It's been around for a long time. Biota's, the C-suite was a couple of guys who were interested in solar panels. And rather than selling their power back to the grid where they only got 10 cents a kilowatt, they wanted to sell it to their friends and neighbors where they had 15 or 20 cents. But it cost them 30 cents to buy a kilowatt hour home. They're only getting 10 cents when they sent it back. And these guys said, hey, we could actually network because all the electricity networks are connected. Everyone's connected on the internet. Basically do eBay for electricity credits. And great idea, strong couple of guys who are engineers and they're quite sensitive. Now, they started doing it. They didn't have enough money to list on the stock exchange. They just the guys from Perth in Australia. And yes. they created a coin for it. A couple hundred bucks rather than millions of dollars to list on an exchange. But somebody told the guy who told the guy who told the guy, this is a great offering. We should start doing this for solar power. Everybody wins because we get cheaper power. I get better return on my solar panels. Yes. And through six degrees of separation, someone told a guy who told a guy who told a guy who mentioned Richard Branson. Richard Branson has solar panels all over ne Necker Islands. Yeah. He's a big environmentally conscious guy. And he was only getting 10 cents a kilowatt. When he wasn't there and wasn't using the power, he wasn't getting much return. He said, this is a great idea. I'm going to start doing this and I'm going to invest in the company. Yeah. Now, when we saw an investor of Richard Branson's quality, we go, Richard Branson, unlike Elon Musk, has been doing the same thing for the last 60 years. And doing it very well. Yeah, he's got several yeah. billion dollar companies that are still profit. So we said, okay, if he's a serious investor, he would have hired guys from Wall Street. He would have hired analysts to do even more research. We, we just studied the, the C-suite online. He probably went and met I don't know. But if Richard Branson is investing, that's a good one for me. That's a big green tick. So make sure there's some serious investors in it, not crazy people like Elon Musk and Bitcoin. And people yeah. who have been, been investing for a long time because they've always got a brain. And finally, for N is the network. 
Because yep. whatever you invest in, stocks, shares, property, crypto, whatever, at some stage, you're going to want to take profits. If you triple your money, you're going to want to sell off a little buy yourself. Yes. Nice rebound on your portfolio. Ultimately, you're going to want to sell and you need to make sure there's buyers. So obviously, Warren Buffett invested in Coca-Cola, which is a company that's been around for more than 100 years. And if yep. he want to sell some of his Coca-Cola shares, of course, he's going to be able to find buyers. The problem with the NFTs and the, the meme coins, <laughs> you can't find a buyer when you want to sell. Yeah, the zombie, whatever it was, the yes. zombie coin or something, it went up like 6,000%. But yep. then when people tried to sell, the price was just dropping and dropping because no one wanted to buy. Oh, no it is. It is a lot worse than that because a lot of these <laughs> coins or NFTs have things where you can buy it, but you cannot sell it. You're not allowed to sell it. They have lock-in periods or they have, you can never sell it. So you can never get out. A lot of these are because people are not sophisticated enough that, and you cannot expect people to read the smart contract of the purchase of the coin and all that. And because it's just, they are all based on ERC20. A lot of the earlier coins were, but then they have some things changed in that. And no individual investor or anyone just putting retail investors is putting in a few hundred dollars is going to have the resources to mm -hmm. pay what you call like a, like a company like Certic or someone to audit the smart contract. So that's why a lot of people get duped into such things. And that's why I make sure that I don't in interview anyone who's promoting a shitcoin or a... So I'm always very careful. And that's why I always like to know. So I, I love this C-O-I-N. Yeah, yeah, C-O-I-N. Yes. That's the process we have used since day one. So yeah. when, my, when I was first trading crypto and my friends and family wanted to know how to do it, Yes, that's what I taught them. And then they came back to us and said, hey, I don't have time to do this. Can you do it for me? So we actually were giving away the secret sauce before we even started up the, yep. the mutual fund. But obviously, yeah, network, you, you can go onto Twitter, you can go onto Facebook, you can go onto the Discords and the Slacks and this sort of stuff. See how many people are following the project. So if you want to see who's following Coin Twitter, there's going to be hundreds of thousands of people who's following Ethereum, who's following Solana, who's following these Because those are the guys that you're going to want to sell and if a project's got four followers or even a couple of hundred followers, are those people going to be there? When Are they going to be supporting the project? Are they going to be buying the token when you yes. may want to sell it? So but yeah, you have to be offering investors. That's it. I think the C-suite is really easy to check out. Offering, if you have someone technical in your team or a friend, someone can check that offering out. Investors is can be fairly easy to check out. The network is the hardest because there is a lot of dodgy things that go on in this industry mm -hmm. and like people buying the networks, people buying for Twitter followers, people buying yeah. for Discord engagement, people buying for Reddit activity, buying like people in Philippines or Vietnam or somewhere to just go and comment or Nigeria just to go and comment and build up, look, make it look like there is a network. There yeah. is I mean, a... I'll give, give a million Twitter followers tomorrow or a million YouTube subscribers. Yes. Just by giving a few thousand dollars to somebody in Russia and they're playing with bots and things. Yeah, you're looking of those four. You're looking for four, four green ticks, and if you get down, and the network might look wonderful. This person just paid fifty thousand dollars to build the followers. That yes. might look like a green tick, but the kind of people who pay for followers are going to be doing something dodgy somewhere. So when you look at, you've got a green tick on the bottom, but the offering might not be so good. The offering might be confusing. You can't understand the offering. You can't understand in what a company does. Like I know what Apple does. I know what yes. Microsoft does. I know what Coca Cola does and Gillette does. And can't understand the offering, then that's going to be a red flag. And the, yes. the, 
if there's people who are paying for followers, those are going to be the C-suite guys who are not so sweet. Right? Yeah. So they're going to have had failed projects before. They're going to have dodgy things. There was, as you say, there was a lot of scams and coins and things popping up in 2018. Yes. Some of those were serial scammers. And if you look through the, the person's history, if you Google them, yes. they like failed projects, scam people, went to jail for two years, and all of a sudden you come in with a multi-level marketing meme coin. You know, yeah. Not. That, that's what a lot of them were, multi-level marketing. Exactly right. That you bring in more people and then you get airdrop for that and you do this and yeah. you do that. And a lot of people join the network just for the airdrop. Because this yeah. is one of the few industries which does airdrop. Like a stock doesn't do airdrop, like a regular stock market stock. There, there is no airdrop for it. But in this industry, like people join. Like I, I remember nearly every big project, so many people are just hunting for airdrop and then they sign up because they feel like they're going to get $10 worth of coin and a lot of people will do for $10 <laughs> would do that <laughs> around the world. Yeah, they're free and a lot of them are just kids. They do it. Coin, then yeah, but otherwise it's just $10 worth. Nothing. Paper. Yeah. 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 It will, it's, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Right. Or not even a piece of paper these days. It's just something in your wallet, a $10 entry, which is worth 10 cents in a, after three exactly. days of listing. <laughs> yeah. So no, that, that's very good. How you gave these four points. What are the other five points when it goes to the, to stock? Like the, the nine, yeah, from yeah. the nine. Obviously, stocks have a different thing because stocks yes. will have, have profitability. They'll have dividends. Yeah. I can't remember the other ones off the top of my head, but if I had my book here, I'd be able to check. Uh, look, I'll put uh, a link I'll, to your book. Yeah, I'll put, put a, link a link to your book so that yeah. anyone who wants can check it out. If, um, if you go to bostontrading.co yes. and you sign up for the newsletter, you actually do get a copy of my stock. Oh, fantastic. Oh, yeah. fantastic. I'll put a link down so, down at the bottom. So if anyone yeah. does want, they can check it out. Apart from this, what's your view on the current market? Where are we and how does 2024 look to you at this stage? It's obviously very exciting having the major institutions coming to the party. Finally, yeah. After six or seven years, I'm literally waiting for a call from Larry Blackrock to say, hey, can you share some of your tips and tricks with me? Because <laughs> obviously there, there have been a couple of mutual funds, again, I won't bag it. There was a couple of mutual funds that came out like in 2018, 2019, when crypto was super exciting back then. But they hired people who were crypto bros. They didn't have any yes. stock market experience. They weren't Wall Street yeah. guys. They hadn't lived through market crashes. They didn't do their proper analysis. And so, of yeah. course, they, they bought what was trendy at the time, and their crypto funds crashed because they didn't have that necessary experience to run yes. their markets. And again, there's myself and there's another guy in our team who's been a financial planner for like 14 something years. Obviously lived through a lot of ups and down markets, knows what to look for. This is why we were able to predict the 2008 global financial crisis back in 2006, because we knew what to look for. We were looking at the markets, we were looking at macroeconomic factors and saying, just lending people who don't have any money is out of control and selling supposed assets when they were ninja loans, no income, no job, no asset. Yes. Giving away these things and saying they're valuable was a recipe disaster. Other people weren't doing the, the research. They were just looking, oh, this is going up, this is going up, that's yeah. fine. Even in our newsletter, we only do a newsletter once a month, right? And we yeah. basically, because again, we're macro people, we start off with what's going on in the world, what's going on in the stock market, how does the crypto market? Because crypto yes. is very exciting to, to you and I. Crypto is a small subsection of global investment. So we look yes. at what, what's happening around the world and then we can start to predict what might happen. So there's, there's five or six years worth of newsletters on our site 
Yes, you can literally go there and find the one from September 2019, right? Back in the, the halcyon days of September 2019. And we actually wrote then, September, there's going to be a stock market crash. We don't know exactly when, but we know it's coming up. Yeah. And we suggested that people exit their stocks. We suggested they buy scarce commodities such as gold, silver, and Bitcoin. Yeah. We were doing our research. We were looking at the copper price and copper price had started to drop in late 2019. And obviously there's a lot of people who, who buy a lot of copper, like in Tesla cars, there's something like two or three miles of copper wire in an electric yeah. car. There's a lot of copper in your phone. There's a lot of copper in buildings and things like that. So if you're a company that uses copper, you should be buying as much copper as you possibly can to use for yes. next year. But the copper price was going down and we thought, that's interesting. There's a lot of companies out there who are not buying copper, who used to buy copper. Maybe they think that 2020 is going to be a worse year than what 2019 is. We also watch the overnight repo market. The overnight repo market is where banks lend to each other. Yeah. And the interest rate where they lend to each other for 24 hours had been like 2%, 2 or 3%. Yeah. All of a sudden, I think it was like September 17, it spiked. It went up to 17% overnight because there was banks who didn't have enough money to pay each other back. There was not enough liquidity in the system. Yes. And it's just supply and demand. When the supply dries up, the demand goes up. So people were actually yeah. paying premium. And we thought, this is exactly what we saw before the GFC. Repo went up, copper price went down, and there was all these rubbish loans. So when two out of three conditions have been satisfied, we just went, that's it. So we said, get out of stocks, buy gold, silver, Bitcoin. We didn't know there was going to be a disease because the disease was still in the lab. But six yeah. months later, of course, we had the pandemic. The stock market dropped like a rock. Everything went down. But the people who were holding gold, silver, and Bitcoin, gold went up by 50%, silver went up by 100%, yeah. Bitcoin went up by 400-something percent. And we predicted that based yes. on our deep analysis of that rate. So again, we're not going to spam you every day. We just send out one newsletter every month. Yep. We've got the history of, of knowing how things work. And if you study that stock market for the last couple of hundred years, you can see this is what happened when there was a war on. This is what happened when it's right high. This is what happened yes. Low. This is what happened when the copper price went. Down. So we can start to predict, not with a hundred percent accuracy, but with about eighty yeah. percent accuracy. This is probably what's going to happen. And even if the, the pandemic didn't occur, gold, silver, and Bitcoin would have still been fine. Yeah. Looking from your from your lens or your point of view, where do you think we are currently, or, or how does twenty twenty four look? It's not that far now, and just mm. two three months away. Yeah. How does next year look for you, well, for macroeconomically and stock yeah. market wise? At the moment, more comes down to, to the SEC. The SEC has been very tough on these people who are applying for crypto ETFs. Yes. And obviously, Gary Gensler is not like in the crypto community. But yes. He, he believes he's probably doing the right thing by broader yeah. economy and trying to protect the value of the US dollar. Meanwhile, you may remember a few years ago, probably 20 years ago now, when the tax rates in the US went up on the trillion dollar companies. So eBay moved to Lithuania or Ireland or something, and Google yes. moved over to Europe. They just got to change their headquarters because they didn't like what the US was doing. So obviously, the companies who are starting up in crypto and doing their spot ETFs, the SEC says, no, we're not granting your application. All they've got to do is open an office in Hong Kong or in Dubai or in Singapore. Or like that. That's exactly what's happening. Dubai and Singapore are booming because yeah. of that reason. <laughs> so so many US founders I met. From... They're, they're, yeah. they're saying we're going to regulate crypto, but crypto pros are just moving. And then the, the US is actually going to miss out on the innovation. They're going to miss out on the taxation. You know, yes. Eventually, the US is going to be a ghost town as far as crypto is concerned. 
and yeah. these other countries in the Asian areas are just going to take off. So, you know, I, I think it's going to happen either way. It just may happen that SEC says yes or they say no, but it really doesn't matter. It just might delay things a little bit. So the first six months of 2024 might be a sort of big touch and go while we wait to see what the regulation yes. happens. But the last half of 2024 is going to be the list. Once these funds are up and running, once the bigger institution pension funds with the hundreds of trillions of dollars invested, yeah. they're going to start buying crypto as a defensive asset instead of perhaps buying bonds or property to offset their, their stock market volatility. And what, what, five percent of your portfolio is in crypto oh. would have outperformed everything for the last yes. ten or fifteen years. Yes. Even with the volatility of the stock market, even with the volatility on that sort of stuff, outperformed everything. They've done studies on that. Yes. So I have another question. And what do you think what's going to happen to interest rates? Like in the Western countries, that's pretty high at the moment. I, I don't mm -hmm. include Japan, like US, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, all, all these UK, all these countries, that's pretty high interest rate. How does 2024 look for that? I, I'm, I'm an old man, Sam. So I've seen a lot. I, I first started, when I first started my financial planning business was in 1992. And there's going to be some people go, oh, I shouldn't be born. But 1992 is when we had record high interest rate at 13, we did. 18%. Yeah, it's uh, after the post-87 crash. We yeah. had really high interest rates still. Yeah. I was very little, but I have read in history books, <laughs> financial history books of what yeah, happened. you've read the history and, books. Of yes, and the Asian financial crisis. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that as well. Oh, that happened after that. <laughs> I was in the markets then in 1987. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I was actually investing in the stock market in 1987. I was still in school back then. We bought stock in, I don't know, some, like the AIDS scare was the big thing. I think it was, I think it was Ansel. We bought stock in Ansel because before the eighties, condoms were like something that people didn't really use so much. Yeah. And then obviously with the AIDS scare, it was, wow, this is going to shoot through the moon with these guys. Who yes. And of course I was a teenage kid. So of course I think there's possibility of sex and condoms sometime in my future. <laughs> so yeah, I was around the 87 crash, but yeah, suddenly finished planning in 92. And yeah. I didn't know much back then. I was a 19 year old. I didn't know much. Mm. So I learned from talking to the guys who've been in the office for 34 years. And I learned from looking at the charts and things like that. Ah. So if you go onto the, the Boston Trading Co. Twitter account, back in yeah. May, back in May, we actually said, this is what's going to happen to interest rates. It's going to go up. I think we said, pause, pause, pivot. That was, yes. our, that was our prediction back in May. And every month I go back to it after the Fed's made their decision and go, they're still going. So at the moment, we're like four for four. With yeah. our predictions, because they've done the, they've done the pause. They always hike a little bit too far and then yes. they sit back and they watch and then they realize they've shot themselves and then they have to start pivoting back down. So at the yeah. moment, four for four, even if we're wrong next month, if they pause again rather than pivoting, then we're still at least 80% correct. Yeah. The interest rates will come down. Yeah. Particularly as the US is going into an election year. They yes. Happy. Yeah. So it's going to be a, a a macroeconomic choice as well as a political choice to drop interest yes. rates at least temporarily. Yeah. The economy look a little bit healthier. But again, we look at all, all the different factors. And again, if we're 80% correct, that's pretty good odds. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very true. And what does inflation look like for you? Just let's say Australia. Do you think it will continue to climb? It will fall next year? We, we don't the next any of the inflation figures. Like they, they say inflation has been like 4 to 6%. But when's the last time you went to buy some meat? When's the last time you bought a bag of yes. orange? It's a lot higher than that. Obviously, with the official inflation figures, they don't count things like rent. They don't count certain yeah. things. 
the, the basket of goods that they used to yes. count for inflation back in the 80s didn't include iPhones and televisions. Yes. And obviously, as technology has advanced, big iPhones, big TVs have come down in price. Imports yes. from China have driven the price down on some consumer goods. Yes. So the government has changed the basket of goods. It used to include rent. It used to include yeah. medication and all your so the government's lying to you. No big surprise there. Yeah. Trying to make you feel better and saying that yes. first they said inflation was going to be transitory. Right. Yes. And then it's not so transitory and all of a sudden saying, oh, look, it's only 5 or 6%. Don't worry about it and we're going to get it back down. Yes. But in reality, it's probably closer to 15. It is. They're going to get down to 7 or 8. Yes. And that's okay. That'll just be our new normal. So yeah. No. But obviously, when you know there's going to be inflation and every fiat currency for history has eventually devalued to zero. The, the yes. Chinese had paper money in the 11th or 12th century. Yeah. But initially it was backed by, by gold and, and copper yes. and things like that. And then they debased it and it devalued to, to zero. And you look at every single empire, the Egyptians and the Ottomans and the Greeks, they all did the same thing. They all debased their currency. Yeah. And over time, the empires disappeared. So the US has been the most powerful empire for the last 50 or 60, 70 years. Yes. They've been gradually debasing their currency, printing 45% more cash yes. than ever existed before 2020. And people are going to start looking at, okay, what's going to beat inflation? Because inflation is a lot higher than what it And it will be your commodities. It will be your scarce things like you know, gold, silver. Yes. Those sort of and Ethereum has actually become deflationary. It was inflationary. But it's deflationary now, yes. Deflationary now. So yeah. people are going to start, start changing their investment because eventually every piece of paper currency you hold whether you're yes. living in Turkey or Lithuania or the USA yes. or Europe, it's going to be worthless. Essentially, yeah. you go to buy Yep. It is. Inflation is everywhere. Even in Singapore, there's just, it felt so much more expensive this time to last mm -hmm. time I went a few years ago. <laughs> I can see the, the, and people are complaining in rent because so many people have moved from overseas <laughs> that for greener pastures that, yeah, the rent has gone. And, and inflation figures don't even, yeah, consider rent. A lot of the inflation figures that people see. So if you consider rent, it is exactly, as you said, 15%, sometimes even higher some years. How, how has the rent gone in Sydney over the last five years or 20 years? How has it grown? <laughs> has it grown yeah. just 2% a year? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> but ultimately, if the government wants to fix things, they're going to have to come out with a back account. If you can look at the inflation rate in the US when the dollar was backed by gold, and it was a lot more stable. I mean, in England, they used to have the pound sterling because it was the sterling silver. Yes. And I can't remember the year. It was probably in the 1200s or 1500s. The in history. I have to look it up. There was a period of about 300 years when the pound was backed by sterling silver. And inflation was effectively like 0 to 1%. Yeah. If you wanted to buy a house in England in the 15th, 16th century, you would pay the same price as your grandparents. That yeah. was it. There was just, there was no inflation. You try buying a house now, you can't even buy a, half a house for the price that you're paying. Yeah. Because inflation has gone crazy. When it was backed by a solid commodity, and inflation was these, you know, some billions of dollars, 100 million trillion dollars. It's just crazy. So debasing the currency results in the fall of the empire. If anybody's smart and looking 10 years ahead, they're going to say, we need to back the currency either with gold or silver or copper or Whatever, uranium. But the problem is the politicians are only looking two or three years because they just want to keep yeah. re elected. Yeah, Singapore yeah. is totally different because they put yes. the economists in charge after Singapore. Yes, exactly. The economists was thinking 20, 30 years. 
also Singapore was, was also they don't need to worry about yeah they don't need to worry about political infighting it's one party system <laughs> so they don't have to worry about that we are only going to make changes that gets us reelected yes Yes, and it works. It is so, so organized. It is so convenient. It is amazing. It doesn't have that argument with US. Singapore. Yeah, yeah. It got destroyed in World War II. And, then there's and they have no resources. And, no, and they have resources. no resources. No oil, no gold, no copper. No, nothing. They, they don't even have water. All of a sudden. Yeah, they don't even have water. <laughs> They're starting yeah. up companies in, in other countries. We have Optus in Australia as a, as a phone provider. It's the number yes. two phone provider. And it's Singtel. It's a Singapore yes. company. It's come over to Australia and just transformed Australia from a Singapore company, again, with no resources. Yes. But they made some sensible economic decisions because they employed economists rather than politicians. Yeah. So, and they have I'm sure you've heard of Tamasek as well. <laughs> like Tamasek, their fund, their national sort of fund, Singapore's fund, mm. Tamasek who invests. So when they make money, they invest. And that's why it's said that when a lot of countries, when they find oil, it, it used to be, it used to often get, just go to some families, rich families and not get, whereas Norway, when they made money, so Norway and UK discovered oil at the same time, but the Norway built its own sort of sovereign fund and did really well. And then that invested in companies all around the world and especially US and everywhere. And then they could redistribute the profits to everyone, not just to few people, like 10, 15 families, like what happened in a lot of the North African or Middle Eastern countries back in the days. And Singapore did the same. So when they made money, they invested it into <laughs> funds and ETS and yeah, yeah. As well as overseas companies a lot as well. Like Tamasek has, I don't know, $300 billion portfolio or something. <laughs> and Norway has trillion dollar portfolio and stuff as well. So yeah. But yeah, that's super interesting. I think I'm quite interested in the rise of stable coins. And I do think that over time, there will be more and more stable coins. And it's just inevitable that we'll see government backed. I'm actually going to be interviewing Senator of Wyoming. He's introducing us. He wants to introduce a stable coin, like a state bank, like Wyoming bank backed stable coin, which will be backed 102%, not 100%, 102%. And, and yeah, I think that it, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. So I, I do think there'll be a lot more new different assets and a lot which will have some sort of utility, not just pretty pictures. So yeah, that'd be interesting. Um, you can buy, as I say, you can buy an ETF backed by gold. You can buy crypto backed by gold as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's the trend I saw in Singapore this time at 2049, the token 2049 event. There were so many projects converting real world assets into crypto. Because just mm. like what you say, that once the gold thing, then people could trade gold once the ETF started. So a lot of the real world assets, commodities, everything are being tokenized at the moment. And you will see these products in the next two, three years and stuff. Mm. So, I yes, mean, it's... You can have, as, as you say, you can have crypto like property or something like that. And it's yes. going to go up in value. Whereas the stable coins are useful for short-term storage. It's like if you think yes. your coin's gone up enough, you'll sell out of that one and buy something else to store it in a stable coin. But obviously, over time, you've got the government who can just jump out there and print 20% more cash. And that's yes. going to devalue your stable coin. Of course, the prices of things go up. So you don't want to be in stable coins long term. I there are even concepts like inflation-proof stable coin who decrease who readjust to inflation. So like it would be worth one point zero four percent next year, one point zero eight percent following year. So there's even concepts like that. So they go and buy more assets too. But there's there's just so much innovation 
coming in this space. The where it is going to lag is that it's going to lag in form of regulation. So yeah, that'd be interesting to see. But look, I, I think I, I really enjoyed our conversation. Do you have a ask? Are you looking for anything? Feel free to share. Yeah, we have obviously we have the Blockchain Point portfolio. BlockchainTrading.co is where you want to go. Don't yes. use the M on the end because you'll end up on a totally different site. And we give away a lot of the secret source Krillionaire.com. So C-R-Y for crypto and a lot bit of billionaire. That's what we actually started was just giving away the information. And so yeah. coins that we research on a deep dive level, yes. we continually update that. But obviously with Boston, fully transparent. You can click on portfolio. You can see live what coins we're holding at the moment, what percentage ratios, how they're actually being performing. There's yeah. a lot of information there because we want to help people. Whether you invest with us or whether you don't invest with us, we want to make sure you invest safely. That's why we give away the secret source. There's some people out there who want to work on their own car and change their own oil. And there's some people who want to go to the mechanic and the mechanic do it. Obviously, we're the mechanic. We look after all for you. But if you're going to want to do it in your own backyard because you've got the time to do that, least we can do is tell you how to do it safely so you don't. Now, we can protect you from all the scams and things like that just by knowing that four-step coin procedure you'll avoid 99% of the scams yet. So we can help you, we can protect you just by having a little bit of knowledge more than what the average person does going. So we're just here to serve, mate. Oh, that's fantastic. I am just looking up a few things. Yep. I will put the link. You're looking at our portfolio and say, oh. (laughs) No, no, no. I I will put the link to, to that in the description, wherever this goes, so people can check it out and connect. But it's been an um, absolute pleasure talking with you, Jeremy. I really enjoyed our conversation. And yeah, wish you best of luck on continuing to pick out gems. Thanks, sir. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening or watching this episode of the Web3 with Sam Kamani podcast. By now, you know the drill. Leave a comment or share this episode with a friend and leave a review. I would love to hear from you. So that's why my DMs are open. Reach out to me, especially if you are a founder building a product in Web3, then I would love to hear from you. What are your challenges? Is there anything that I can help you or my community can help you with? Thank you once again and wish you best of luck in building your startup or your project.